I start a new series with you today. I've called it Tight Lines. Now, only fishermen probably will know the phrase. I grew up in a little fishing village called St. Lucia in the Natal North Coast, on the Natal North Coast. And there always was, opposite the road from where we lived, a block of flats called Tight Lines. But it was in Afrikaans. Stavelena. I still remember. See how the anointing just came into the house. Now, if I could say that in Isikosa, I think we would be there. But tight lines is really a well-wishing greeting you give to someone. If they said, I'm on my way fishing, you would say tight lines. In other words, you wish for them to have something on the other line, end of the line, right? Tight lines. And, um, but of course, tight lines has also been used in other terms. You know, you might say that somebody uh, executed some other kind of sport event tightly. It was a tight song sung by Vince this morning. He sung it so tightly. It's been used in many ways. But there's also a Bible verse that talks about that. And I want to talk to you over the next couple of weeks about how to keep the line attached or anchored to God's plan for you tight. I want to encourage you to keep it tight and to get a grip. And both of those could sound a little insulting at first, but they really aren't. They are um, an opportunity for blessing. So Colossians uh, chapter one, I just, I just wanna encourage you right from the outset, there is gonna be a section that I'm gonna read a quote from C.S. Lewis and it's got a, a few slides. So you, all your reading for the week will be done. Like you came to church, you got your reading in. Are you okay with that? Good. Colossians chapter one from the message. I love this verse, verse three through eight. It says, our prayers for you are always spilling over into thanksgiving. We can't quite uh, uh, thank God, our Father and Jesus. Uh, we can't quit, rather, um, thank God, uh, uh, our Father and Jesus, our Messiah, for you. We keep getting reports uh, of your steady faith in Christ, uh, um, uh, our Jesus, and the love and uh, uh, you continually extend to all Christians. And then here's the verse. The lines of purpose in your lives never grow slack tightly tied as they are to your future in heaven, kept taught by hope. The message is as true today as when you first heard it. Doesn't diminish or weaken over time. It's the same all over the world. The message bears fruit and gets larger and stronger just as it has in you. I absolutely love the power of the idea that our future is not at a mysterious place, it's anchored in heaven. And everything I'm doing is working towards a destiny in heaven. Some people anchor their lives though, or rope on other things. Some people are attaching everything they do towards some other goal. Someone might be thinking, my goal is just to be rich. You wouldn't say it in so many words, you would use classier words like, I want to be well off or I want to be successful. Or my favorite one is, I just want to make my parents proud. That's become the new one. I want to make my parents proud equals, I just want to be really rich. At least richer than my parents. So you anchor, you anchor that somewhere in your future and everything you do is attached to or connected with that goal. Some people might attach their goal to their life to some other anchor. I just want to be loved. And everything you do is to be on the hunt to be loved or to express and share love. And some people anchor their lives on something more uh, damaging, I guess. Just, just, I just want to get by or get through or get over. 
But I want to encourage you today that there is a way for a Christian to put an anchor into the future and let that future be rooted in heavenly places. And that everything we do tracks with that goal. Can you say amen to that? I want for you to have tight lines. Can you say amen? Hebrews chapter 11, love this verse, love it. If I could, I would have it tattooed. But I'm, I just relax. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I know we will. We will lose family if I get a tattoo. So I, I, I leave that to the band. No, because people say, but they're creative. You know, it's creative people. But some other pastors, you know. Uh, um, um, Hebrews 11. Oh, when I turn 60. Hebrew. This is a good verse. Hebrews 11, verse 20, from the Message translation says, "By an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future." as he blessed Jacob and Esau. Do you know what I love about this verse? There are things you can do today that are reaching into the future and things that you can do today that are prolonging your reach into the future. God has a future plan. You need to get yourself into your future by getting yourself out of your past and stepping into it in an intentional way. Here's this man Jacob saying, I'm here now, but I'm reaching into my future. What I do is, intent, is intended to have a grasp into the future. So I've titled, if the series is Titlines, I've titled today's message, Blessed is Best. Blessed is Best. I reckon we should hashtag that. You know, there's this hashtag that goes, living my best life. Well, I would like to live my blessed life, not my best Life. My best life, by my definition, is too comfortable. But a blessed life includes, includes inconveniences, struggles, trials, and fights. But in them all, I am blessed. Because whatever God is putting me in and through, He is using to keep the line tight to my future. If I have too much slack, it means I'm drifting off some other path that is not contributing to the path that God has in mind for me. Can you say Amen to that. So over the next um, uh, 15 minutes or so the, that I have with you, I want to share with you three um, powerful ways in which you can keep the lines tight in your life and stop drifting. And the first one is going to include that chunk of reading I, w- I want to share with you. And it's also, I'm almost delaying introducing the first point because I'm a little nervous about it. I, I don't, please don't take it personally. Please don't be upset by the first point. Is that Okay. We just say, oh, maybe the, you know, maybe the, the intermittent fasting's getting to him. The guy must eat more. He's getting grumpy. But here, here's my first point: get over it. And the principle here is: if you anchor yourself to something else that has power over you, you are unable to keep the lines tight to your future. Something else is tighter. Something else pulls at it more strongly. And the only way to go where God wants you to go is cut off some things that don't belong there and get over some hurdles that are just a distraction and say, I'm heading to my future. I'm praying into my future. I'm believing into my future and I'm calling into my future. Can you say amen to that? Holding on or having a strong grip on something sometimes means letting go of something else so my grip is better where it needs to be. You can't just, you just can't hold on on all those things, all the time. Revelation chapter three, uh, verse 11 says, 
Uh, I'm on my way. I'll uh, be there soon speaking of Jesus. Keep a tight grip on what you have so no one distracts you and steals your crown. Keep a tight grip. I think Christians wobbled a little over the last couple of years. I think I fell into the trap myself of allowing fear and perhaps anxiety to rise higher than it deserved in my life. But from time to time, you just have to say, I had a handshake with fear, but I'm not holding on to fear. And it don't, doesn't get to hold on to me. And I don't care how clingy things are, I'm shaking them off. Dust, the Bible says, shake off your shoes if the message is not welcome or the door is not open. Just shake it off and keep going. And we have to shake some things off throughout our lives. Can you say amen? If it's not the pandemic, the Russians are blowing something up. If it's not the Russians, it's the floating you know, island of, of, of plastic in the ocean. If we're not done with the floating island of plastic, it's the ozone layer, which was a hole and isn't a hole and is closing again. We're all doomed to die every day. If you eat toast that's too black, you're taking five years off your life. If you only you know, brush your teeth once a day and not twice, there's another seven years gone. We are are all doomed to die if we believe the other anchors in our lives. I thought of the C.S. Lewis article. I'm going to read to a paragraph, so be, please be patient, but it's so good. And so that you don't have to concentrate too long on like the actual reading of it. I'm going to put the words up on the screen. You should have seen production and I showed them how many words have to go on the screen. They're like quite surprised. I, I like this article even though it's like 50 years old because... C.S. Lewis was asked to comment then, 50 years ago, about the Cuban Missile Crisis and the risk of nuclear war killing us all. And I thought, that's quite appropriate at the moment because we're back there again. Somebody is getting called by the Lord. Is, 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 would you like to answer the call, whoever? Because I would hate to be a distraction to your destiny here as you are anchored uh, in, in the Lord. Uh, hopefully... Uh, you find a result. So, 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 hope it's not serious. So, so uh, uh, exactly because we're back to this risk of nuclear, you know, Putin's having a go and Biden is, you know, wanting to press buttons. And I thought this article is as relevant today, 50 years later as it was uh, then. And I think it's very, very powerful. Look what it says. When I asked him, what do you think of nuclear, the threat of nuclear? He, he wrote this answer. I am tempted to reply... Uh, in one way, we think a great deal, sorry guys, I need you to go back there. I'm tempted, in, in one way, sorry, thank you. We think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I'm simply tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year. Or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might have landed and cut your throat. Any not. It sounds hectic, doesn't it? Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, and an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin to exaggerate the novelty of our situation. Believe me, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in an unpleasant way. 
do you guys want to address the music? Is it Kids Church? It's Kids Church. But it is too loud today. Um, it is perfectly uh, ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already was already bristle with such chances, in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. The first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music from kids' church, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over, well, whatever, and a game of darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They, are, they may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our... The article is actually um, listed there below if you'd like to go and look for it on Google. I find it so powerful. All he's saying is, all through the ages, people had risks. All through the ages, people had tragedies. In the future, we will have them. What we shouldn't be doing is huddling like little sheep, thinking about bad times and bad things. We should be living well, living large, living free, all to the glory of God, doing it in fellowship and company and not allow the dominance of risk to overpower the destiny of God over our lives. We've got to get over it. You've got to get over it. There are times in which things are powerfully destructive in that way. But it is incredibly important that we walk away. Actually, I, I think we must just let kids' church people off the hook. It wasn't kids' church. I think there was music that was used for pre-service playing somewhere on the stage. I'm not sure. But nevertheless, it was like a crescendo as I read C.S. Lewis. It just... <laughs> It's like we planned it, like, you know, like in the old days when the person played the organ as the Dermini got more and more enthusiastic. I, um, I, 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 think we were, I think we were there today. You know, one of the most destructive things that we can allow in our lives is for tighter ropes to attach themselves to us, pulling us back or throttling our ability to breathe freely and live freely. Uh, what we need to instead do is, I'm keeping my line tight, uh, anchored in my future and in heavenly places. All these other things can come and go, but they will not sway me. I'm getting over it, getting past it. Can you say amen to that? And then the second thing I want to encourage you on concerning how to keep tight lines in your life and ensure that you're tracking without distraction and without damage over, over your journey is this idea that we should get behind what God is doing. The things we support, get behind or step into are just as important as the things we let go of, get over or get past. We have to step behind things. If this is what the Lord is doing, then this is what I'm supporting. 1 Timothy chapter 1 uh, verse 15 from the message says this, keep a firm grip on your faith and on yourself. After all, this is a fight we're in. Uh, there are some, you know, who have relaxed their grip and thinking anything goes, have made a thorough mess of their faith. 
that scripture reminds me that if I release my grip and I get a little distracted, things get messy. Things get messy when I don't get behind what God is for and I start getting behind things God is against. When I don't shoulder my weight into the things of God, I stand to leave my shoulders available for other kinds of burdens to sit on them. I don't want any vacant space in my heart. It needs to belong all to the Lord and what He's called me to do. Get a grip on your faith and a grip on yourself. Emily, it wasn't you or your people. So please just, it's Emily's first church service in the 9A basically since coming on team here and all of a sudden something that wasn't her fault became her fault and I feel I just need to release her from that, that responsibility. It's not your people, it's all good. It was the angels of the Lord adding soundtrack to my preaching this, uh, this, uh, this morning. Um, decades ago, we would have a poor keyboardist playing, you know, as the preacher preached. They are all relieved now that that's not a vibe anymore. I want to encourage you to be wise about shouldering or leaning into what God is doing. Do you know, as much as there are tragedies in every generation and as much as there are risks in every generation and as much as there are new things to be worried about in every generation, what this verse is really reminding us of is that God is also busy in every generation. Whatever is happening out there is also happening in the heart of God now in this season. And it's possible to know more about what the world is doing and the devil is doing than to know about what God is doing over the exact same time period. It's possible. It's possible to get so distracted by what's going on that we don't recognize that in the heart of God, he is preparing a great awakening and renewed revival and a mighty work. Whenever I see things going a little rough out there, I don't look to the out there. I look to the up there. And I ask the Lord, I wonder what you're going to do in this generation that men and women will say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us. Is that a clappable moment? Thanks, Mark. I want to keep my anchor firmly rooted on the future and firmly rooted on faith. I want to remind myself that God has this great plan and whatever other plan happens, it never diminishes or negates it. That opening scripture said that this gospel has continued to grow stronger and more fruitful. It never diminished and never got weakened. You can't allow things to steal your confidence in what God is doing. Whatever is happening in the world today and has happened, I must say, I think we got caught up, if we must confess, even the Christians, I mean us, believers, we got caught up in the same arguments, same debates, same anxieties and same fears as the rest of the world did over the last couple of years. But we did not talk enough. I wonder what God has in mind. We did not talk enough. Could he be clearing away for a renewed turning of the heart of men to God? Has he, has he opened a door for light to shine. In summary, it's much easier to criticize the darkness than it is to go turn on the light. So much easier. We just go turn on the light and then you see God is at work. I want to encourage you over this next little bit, not to shrink back over this next series, not to shrink back, but to step up and step up in absolute 
confidence. So get, get over it and get behind it and then get better at it. Get better at it. Do, do you know um, everyone in the world is trying to be better at whatever they do? Businessmen are trying to be better at it. Sports people are trying to be better at it. And, and we, in the faith, need to set at our goal, we want to be better at it. I think we should, right? Because the world out there, um, and not everything in the world out there is, is, is true, by the way. Um, it, it, very, very little is actually true. Most of it is puffing. It's sort of a, a, a way of uh, it provoking jealousy in you for something that is not real. Should we not provoke jealousy in the world for something that is real by stepping up and out stronger and clearer than ever before rather than let the whole world upgrade itself in its mindset while we're still stuck in an old way of thinking? I, I think we have to get better at it. Got to get better at it. You know, not by now, I've got to insert either a tragic pet or an encouraging gardening story somewhere in my, oh, I'm getting better at some of them. I won't tell you which right now. We'll let time tell. I'm getting better at growing some stuff. I do look like a doomsday prepper at the moment. I've got enough food security to last, you know, an apocalyptic event at this point. But I'm getting better at it. When bugs eat my stuff, I don't grow that stuff where bugs can grow. When something needs sun, I finally believe the little tag that said grows in full sun. I thought, nah, it's a suggestion. <laughs> what do they know? We're in Africa, yeah, it didn't need full sun. Partial. They weren't joking. When something's designed for partial, don't put it in the sun. I got clever. Too clever for my own good. I netted off something. I was growing some stuff. And they'd make little flowers. When they make little flowers, it's about time to make the fruit, right? But the fruit would just never come. Phoned a farmer. I said, come have a look. I'm doing something wrong. The pastor came. I mean, sorry. The farmer came. And he said, well, have you netted everything off? I said, well, the bugs, you know, and the birds, they eat some of the stuff. He said, look, your, your problem is you've, you've cut out the bees. And the bees pollinate the plants and the plants won't produce. So you have to take the one with the other, unfortunately, because the good comes mixed in with the bad. And you've, but you've got to open up. And this father, farmer was preaching and I was listening and I was writing notes for my sermon and I'm telling you the Bible says full sun and you insist on trying to grow your life in partial shade. The Bible says you've got to step out and be the light in the world and now you're living sheltered and protected so the bad stuff doesn't come but no good stuff can come either because you've locked your door and the windows and everything. You're so scared of evil that God can't even send blessing. And I fear that you're farming badly. Nothing's going to be fruitful, but it's going to be neat. It's not going to be fruitful. You're growing rows. So maybe you should need to look in the Bible in a few sections and say, you know, my marriage, how, how do I grow it in full sun? You know, my finances, what's the instruction on it? Partial shade, full sun, how much water? And maybe you need to open up a bit. There are going to be a couple of bugs. There's definitely going to be an evil starling. 
come eat those first few fruits. I rebuke them. But nothing grows if you don't step out. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 22. I have two more scriptures for you and then all the readings done. Matthew chapter 19, verse 22. Jesus having a conversation with the rich man. Look how it answers. Uh, that was the last thing the young man expected to hear. Jesus says, why don't you go sell all your possessions, give it to the poor? Because he was, let me give you context, because everyone quotes this verse as if that's what you're practically supposed to do. What this rich man was doing was every time Jesus said, love your neighbor, he would say, I've done it since I was a child. Uh, don't murder anyone. I've never killed anyone since I was a child. He was very self-righteous. So Jesus said, if you're so self-righteous, why don't you just sell everything and show me that you can throw your life. And look at what it says. That was the last thing the young man expected to hear. And so crestfallen, a word I hadn't really read before, he walked away. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and he just couldn't let go. He just couldn't. The point is sometimes there are things that are very easy to give away and then there are things that are harder. 1 Peter 5 words it like this. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than, you, than to catch you napping. Keep your guard. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they, they are, uh, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. He gets the last word. I think we have to, I think we have to cast our, our, our anchor into heaven. I think we have to hold a tight grip and I think we have to have a tight line. I think we need to get over some things so that we're not pulled in too many directions. And I think that we have to call our future forward as Jacob did by praying over his kids and saying, whatever blessing I didn't receive, you're gonna receive. And I'm gonna stand in heavenly places and watch the legacy of my children and their children's children walk in blessing because I, in prayer, reached into heaven and I brought the future and put it here on earth right here at this time. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth, as it is in heaven. We're not leaving earth in some kind of a shambles and we're not, it, it got more information and more conversation about how things are going in the world than we do about how heaven has planned for this next season. I'm getting my head in the right game and holding tight lines. Keep a firm grip because the anchor holds. Can you say amen to that? I pray this morning, uh, I would like for us to pray that God will anchor us firmly, teach us to have a firm grip. But my prayer is also that if you feel like you've let go and your grip is weakened or you just don't think you have enough strength, this message is not intended to be some kind of judgment. This message is supposed to, is intended to be that when you can't, He carries. And if you can't rise up, the Spirit of God will lift you up. And if you need one of us, to shoulder you up and get you over the finish line in some race you're in, we're available to be your running companion. We'll do it with you. And we'll slow down on some race we're on to step back 
and comrades you over the line so you can win too. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we pray? As you can see, a team has sort of formed in front here. And uh, uh, the goal of that team is to be available to pray for you after the service. Uh, and uh, they include pastors and leaders, just availability so that um, you've got trained people to do one-to-one prayer with you. But could we take a moment to pray? Just ask the Lord to anchor us well, keep a firm grip and tight lines. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for a reminder that we're not to exaggerate our present circumstance as though it was some novel or new or extraordinary thing. In every decade, every season, and every generation, there is both conflict and conquering. We commit ourselves, as Romans 8 encourages us to, that we shall be more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Would you teach us to get over it, get behind it, and get better at it? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise and worship and thanksgiving?